0: Our text uh this episode is Igras Moshe Ezra Kuf This is from fifty-seven thirty-seven Udalachfats or nineteen seventy-seven. This is the last uh dated Truva which rav Moshe uses the term Lonitan Lehmeer Kwal, although we will finish the series with two undated uh Trivot that you'll have to figure out yourself where they fit. It seems to me from the evidence that rav moshe uh, pretty much stopped using the phrase toward the end of his life. Um we showed how very early on he used it in a conversation um, with uh, Rav Kantrovitz, um and really was about learning it all. Uh, it seems that as it developed, it became more a statement about things he believed very strongly. Um, but it seems to me that he diminished the use of the term, uh, the many fewer vote, um using it later than there were earlier. Uh, this, so, this is a rather peculiar Um The topic is a woman who was married to a Jew um, Presumably, committed adultery, um, was divorced from the Jew, but not with a, uh, um, but not with a civil get. Um, it could be that, um, very plausibly, that she was civilly divorced first, and then, um, from halachic perspective, committed adultery with a non-Jew. Uh, the husband uh, gave her was called a get zikui, right, in, which, in which she did not agree to receive the get, but the beit appoints a an agent to receive. To receive the get for her on the grounds that it is to her benefit to receive the get, and then the um, her Jewish husband died, and he has uh, they had no children, and he has a, a brother. And the question is, uh, does she need chalitza as well? Um, so there obviously there are two questions. One is whether a woman who committed adultery and is thereby uh, forbidden to her husband requires chalitza. And the second question is: uh, Under what circumstances a Gedzuke works and does not work? Um, Rav Moshe, uh, see, right, we, This shuva is written to Rabbi uh, Appel of Leeds. Um, Rav Moshe concludes in the following paragraph that everything Rav Leeds says is correct, and he has nothing to, to say about it that she doesn't need chalitza. Um, but despite um, concluding in those uh, very clear words, uh, Rav Moshe actually has writes a seven-page shuva. Um, which is one peculiarity of why write a seven-page shiva only to say that you have nothing that, you know, everything you said is correct, I have nothing to add. Um, And in those seven pages, he says many fascinating things. It seems to me likely that uh, the reason that this is a lambdish piece that Moshe has prepared and written uh, in other occasions, and it was really more of an excuse to get it into this shiva as a wild speculation, I would suggest that perhaps this is a tshuva of Moshe had written uh, many years ago in Luban, and it's one of the tshuva that got lost and he's recreating it here uh, because he has the occasion um, the issue that it addresses is also brought up in a 5735 Truva where the question there is whether to require the husband to be mezake aget um, before allowing him to remarry um, but it doesn't really touch on the same issues as here uh was productive to try and analyze some differences uh between the treatment of the treatment of the zikoi um another interesting thing that ramosha says in this shiva is a very strong argument that it is better to accept a dochek resolution of an apparent contradiction between sugyot than to say that the sugyot um, disagree but he goes so far as to say that if there is an even remotely plausible way of resolving the sugyot, then you can assume that whoever said that there was a machloket hasugyot hadn't thought of that and perhaps would have agreed had they, uh, had they heard of it. So that's a very strong statement. I'm not aware of Rav Moshe taking this position consistently, that one should do everything possible to avoid a machloket hasugyot. Um, I'd love to, if somebody had done, has done a, uh, a full study of this and can tell me uh, whether I'm just wrong, or whether in fact there are, as I suspect, many places where Moshe comes to terms with the machlokut of Um and then we have to talk about whether there's a plausible reason that he's not, um, he's not allowing, he's not allowing that here. Um, he also says here that in this case there's an overwhelming majority, a rov minyan and a rov binyan of poskim, a ruba de ruba uh, of poskim, who support the position that an adulteress doesn't require chalitza at all. And therefore, one doesn't even have to be chosesh for the uh, for the counter position. Although in this case, he thinks that even if you were chosesh, the zikur, the Get zikur, would be enough. Uh, but he says rov and rov you know and not even chosesh for the other position. Even though he concedes that the ravid, the mordechai, and the trumas and the rishonim, and the grov of the yamshel shlomo, the noda um are all take the counter position, and the chalitza is necessary, and that the trumas hadeshin at least believes that he is following the maharam. So that's a pretty large group of Rishonim and Achronim to ignore, um, particularly since it seems that the truth of the Rav doesn't think he has thought of any new arguments. Um, he's essentially retracing the argument made by the note of Behuda and just says, but, you know, this is just wrong. Uh, so that's pretty dramatic as well. Uh, he's astounded at the Truma's Hadeshin for believing what he calls an anonymous marginal note about the Maharam's position. Uh, especially because he says the maram says we generally possibly like a position that shows us in the Rif agree on and even though the made him in a close uh... he says that the close still created default. so if that's the if that's the maram's position then you need good evidence to show the maram disagreed and therefore he thinks that the trimmer sedation should not have simply believed that this was the position of the maram that's also a pretty harsh critique of a uh, of rishon's methodology um, he says that uh, a get works for an adulteress, even if she says she doesn't want the get loudly, um, because rejecting a schut because of an error is irrelevant. Uh, now, in the other chuvah in this is Dal Kuchav, and dalad dalad, he says this is a huge suffix. Um Here, he admits the position is complicated, and both chuvah he says the best thing is just not to ask her in advance. And that post facto, if she raises objections post facto, that's much less serious because we can claim that she's just doing that uh, in order to demonstrate something, but really, uh, in fact, she wanted um, she wanted to get. Okay, those are all fascinating things Rav Moshe says in the course of this Shuvah, but let's focus on our topic on this series, which are the things about which Rav Moshe says that they are in they are klal, they cannot be said at all. Uh, he says it here within his critique of the Yamshel Shlomo. Uh, the Yamshel Shlomo, uh, giving his reasons for requiring chalitza in the case of an adulteress, or a saras adulteress, um, th- no difference for us, says that the sugia anivamos gimalam bet reads the Mishnah there as intended to exclude Rav when it gives a number, because um, Rav says sarasota asura anivamos aleph, which for Tosis means also, right, asura doesn't mean asura but requires chalitza, it means asura and therefore uh, doesn't require chalitza. And the Yamashil Shlomo says that we paskin like the Mishnah against all the cases it excludes. And um, he says that Rav Yochanan explicitly says in three of those cases that we paskin um, like the Mishnah against those cases. The Yamashil Shlomo says, you might think that um, Rav Yochanan saying it about only three of the cases proves that we do paskin um, like the things the Mishnah excludes in other cases and therefore that in fact Rav Yochanan only saying this about three of the cases is a raya that we do paskin like Rav uh, but says the Amshel Shlomo this is wrong because maybe the reason um, Rav Yochanan didn't bother including it because he thought this one was obvious for the Mishnah um, and, he, and, and he had no idea that Rav had not thought it was obvious but Rav Moshe doesn't read the Amshel Shlomo the way I just did Rav Moshe reads the Amshel Shlomo as saying that Rav Yochanan just thought it was obvious even if he knew that Rav disagreed and oh by the way maybe he didn't know that Rav disagreed um, so having read the Amshul Shlomo is making the first point independently that um, that uh, Rav Yochanan thought that the Rav's position was so obviously wrong that he had no need to rebut it. Uh, Rav Moshe finds this just intolerable because how could Rav Yochanan have rejected Rav on the basis of a Mishnah when obviously Rav knew the Mishnah and would have had a teretz? So it can't be obvious you have to know what Rav's teretz is. And secondly, there's all sorts of statements in which um Rav, Rav Yochanan expresses great respect for Rav. So how could it be that uh, Rav Yochanan would simply reject Rav out of hand? Um, so this again, you know, it, it's pretty, using, using the rhetoric of Bonitana and Mir Klaal uh, about the Yam Shul Shlomo is pretty strong. Um, and um, I don't know if it's really fair. Here is the uh, Yam Shul Shlomo's um, language. You can't say the <speaking in Hebrew> Adrabah that the uh Pumpha carrot. To Siata Dh the Kirav, the Ravyochan statement is evidence for Rav, Ami Omarabyokan Hana Flaslo or Munami Akha Sarasota. Um right, so right, we could say that Ryochan um, didn't mention the case of Rav because he does Paskin like Rav. So Yukul Yochonulomar, the Ptre Dele. We can say it was obvious to him that Samachamas in the Parakama de Sota and he was relying on the Mishnah there which excludes it the uh, sota gufa chalitzas It's not the Mishnah that he's excluding based on the number, but another, but another, uh, but, but another Mishnah. And although that Mishnah is talking about, uh, is talking about a sota, and a sota is only a Suffolk adulteress, he doesn't accept the Teresitosis gives that um, that that Mishnah is only uh, that Mishnah is talking about a sota, but a vadai a adulteress does not do either Chalitza or yibam. Rav and he didn't hear um, Rav's statement. Um, yes, I, I, I reading it. It seems to me pretty clear that the Yamshul Shlomo um, used these um, as one single explanation, and didn't really consider the possibility that, that Rav Moshe says you can't say it all, which is uh, um, you know that Rav Yochanan would simply reject Rav without even bothering to mention his position if he knew about it because he thought that it was that the, the Mishnah and Sotu was so obvious and he, he hadn't thought of Sotah as terrorists, I guess. So it's, it's puzzling to me that Rav Moshe uh, goes so strongly against the Shal Shlomo here, um, and it seems to me a little bit um, unfairly. And that also adds to my uh, to my thought that even though this is chronologically the last Rav Moshe's tshuvot, um actually it is um, a reflection of a much earlier, uh, much earlier tshuva, a very early tshuva, um, and I wonder. Uh, this is something perhaps that uh, well, Ellie Fisher would, you know, or, or the people doing computer analyses would be better able to answer. Um, I wonder if there is some kind of pattern in later chuvot of Moshe um, putting in things that hadn't made it into, that just hadn't, you know, putting in major ideas of his that hadn't made it into the chuvot. Otherwise, um, part of the question here is going to be the connection. Between the uh, the chivot and the dibrot. Um but I, I wonder whether um, whether some whether some things were not uh, in this whether this example is anomalous that is a later chuva where which is longer than it needs to be because it includes a position that Rambamsha developed you know if if we had in the earlier Chuvo in Luban uh, this is the kind of really well developed position you see where Rambamsha has a very strong position. And even though there are choshenim and Akronim against it, he's really clear about his about his about his p'sak, and he's willing to you know to go all the way with his p'sak um, on the basis not of an instinct about what the right conclusion has to be, but of, but on a uh, on a on the conviction that that is the correct shot in the sugya uh, based on the texts. Uh, so I'm proposing that as a topic for research to see whether the the later uh are often more like the earliest Jivot, uh than like those um, in between.